today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You may need to get rid of the internet if that's causing you to constantly sin. Or you may need to end a relationship if that relationship with that person is leading you to sin. And you're a believer and they're not a believer. And because of that relationship, you're crossing lines. Cut it off. Yes, it will cost you. But it's better to get rid of that cause from your life than to go to hell. What's keeping you from strengthening your relationship with God? For some, these challenges may include struggles with drunkenness or sexual immorality. But for all people, it's their company. Do the people in your life talk you into sinning? Cut them out. In the Bible, Jesus said, It is better for you to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fiery hell. So how can we keep our eyes on God? Today, Pastor Dan reminds you to remove everything from your life that causes you to sin. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 18 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Little children are not ashamed of their neediness. When a little child has a need, they immediately make you aware of their need. A baby will cry when they have a need, and they will keep crying until that need is satisfied by you. They don't even try to satisfy their own need. Or a young child, a toddler, will interrupt you When they have a need, they don't care what mom or dad may be doing. They don't care uh, how important it may be. They don't care who mom or dad may be talking to. A little child will walk right up and interrupt mom and dad to express their need. Every parent has had to say to their child, I'm talking to an adult right now and you're interrupting me. You're going to have to wait. And every parent has said that to their child and has their child has looked at them like, I don't care. I have a need. And when it comes to entering the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a little child. Coming to Christ by faith and fully trusting in him, not relying upon yourself at all, not relying upon your own goodness or your own righteousness or your own morality, but fully relying upon Jesus Christ For everything. Again, verse 4 Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Greatness in the kingdom of heaven is achieved through humility. Humility, by humbling yourself as a little child. In the kingdom of heaven, the way up is down. The way up is down. Again, this is the opposite of the kingdom of this world. In the kingdom of this world, the way up is up. You've got to move up the ladder. You've got to outperform other people. But in the kingdom of heaven, the way up is down. The last will be first. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be your servant. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Serve others. Serve others. In the kingdom of the world, you want to be great? Serve yourself. In the kingdom of the world, your greatness is measured by how many people serve you. 
How many people work for you? How many people call you sir or ma'am? Jesus also said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. If you humble yourself, God will exalt you. But if you attempt to exalt yourself, God will humble you. In James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, If you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he shall lift you up. God resists the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Verse 5 says, Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. How we treat the humble shows what we think of Jesus. How we treat the humble shows what we think of of Jesus. Do we view the humble as weak? Do we view the humble as no no benefit to us? The world does. That's how the world views the humble and the meek. Jesus was humble. In Philippians chapter 2 it says of Jesus that he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Jesus humbled himself and made himself of no reputation. And so how we treat the humble and people of no reputation shows what we think of Jesus. Because that's what Jesus was like. The Bible says that Jesus hung out with the common people. What do we think of the common people? Look at verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me To sin, look what it says. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. That's Jesus speaking. Those are some very strong words from Jesus. I like when Jesus talks like this. Jesus was a man's man. Jesus' strongest words were against those who cause a believer to sin or those who cause a believer to stumble in their faith. That's what he's talking about here. Those who cause a believer to distrust or doubt Jesus. Those who cause a believer to distrust or doubt the Bible. Jesus says, whoever causes a believer to sin or to stumble in their faith or to distrust or doubt or even turn away from him, or causes one to abandon their faith, or doubt the Bible. It would be better for that person if a millstone were hung around his neck, and he were drowned in the depth of the sea, than facing the wrath Jesus will pour out on that person. That's an incredible statement, isn't it? You know what, you know what enrages Jesus more than anything? Messing with the faith of someone he purchased with his own blood. Now, Jesus said this in the town of Capernaum, and millstones were actually manufactured in Capernaum from the volcanic rock that is found all over that area. Uh, Archaeologists have uncovered multitudes of millstones there in Capernaum. There were different types of millstones. There were smaller millstones that were turned by hand, and then there were larger millstones that were turned by an animal like a donkey or an ox. The type of millstone Jesus referred to here is a large millstone that was turned by an animal like a donkey or an ox that weighed a few hundred pounds. 
we're planning a trip to Israel next summer. Uh, if you go with us to Israel, uh, you'll have the opportunity to have a large millstone hung around your neck and we'll dump you off the side of a boat. Uh, it's better than parasailing. I mean, you, it really is amazing. It, the word of God just really comes alive to you. It's so real. A millstone of that size, you would sink to the bottom before you drown. What a terrifying way to die. And for the person that causes a believer to stumble in their faith, that's a better way to die than falling into the hands of Jesus. He says in verse 7, Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Offenses will come in the world. That's a fact. The world is filled with things that will entice you to turn away from Jesus. The world is filled with things that will entice you to distrust the Bible. And as we get closer and closer to the end of the age, those offenses will increase more and more and more. You know this. Just in your lifetime, we have access to enticements to sin today that didn't exist 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And it's just going to get worse and worse and more and more as time goes on. Jesus said lawlessness will abound in the last days before his return. And so woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but look what he says, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Offenses must come in the world, but woe to the individual person by whom the offense comes. Woe to the individual who introduces the offense to a believer in Jesus Christ that causes that believer to sin or causes that believer to stumble in their faith or to turn away from Christ or causes that believer to stop trusting in the Bible as true and right and from God. Woe to that person. I think of progressive pastors today and progressive churches that are teaching heresy and are leading so many people away from the truth with false teaching. I think of those who have a social media following who are deconstructing their faith on their platform and leading believers away from Christ and away from the truth of Scripture in twisting the Word of God. I think of the public school systems and teachers that are indoctrinating innocent children with lies, lies about their origin, telling them they came from apes, Instead of telling them they were created in the image of God, lying to them about their gender, confusing children about gender and sexuality and right and wrong and the value of every life in God's eyes. I think about the politicians who vote for laws that are an offense to God and the list can go on and on. You can come up with your own list and your own mind. Anyone who attempts to undermine the faith of a believer will one day stand before Jesus Christ. And Jesus says here, it would be better for them if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were drowned in the depth of the sea than to face the wrath of Jesus Christ for stumbling one person in their faith. Well, I was just teaching the curriculum. Save it for Jesus. I don't think he's going to accept that. 
as an excuse. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. Verse 8. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Jesus is telling us here to deal drastically with our sin or whatever causes sin. Remove it from your life. Cut it off. Get rid of it without delay. No matter what the cost may be to you. Remove it from your life. Now that may mean you need to quit your job. If you're involved in an inappropriate relationship with a coworker and that is causing you to sin, you may need to quit your job. You may need to get rid of the internet if that's causing you to constantly sin. Or you may need to end a relationship if that relationship with that person is leading you to sin. And you're a believer and they're not a believer. And because of that relationship, you're crossing lines. Cut it off. Yes, it will cost you. But it's better to get rid of that cause from your life than to go to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at verse 8 again. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet. To be cast into the everlasting fire. Hell is a real place. Hell is a real place as much as heaven is a real place. And hell is described here as a place of everlasting fire, eternal judgment. Elsewhere in the Bible, hell is described as a place of torment and a place of punishment. It's described as a place of wailing and gnashing of teeth where there's no relief at all. And Jesus is telling us here to give up anything that you have to give up. To avoid hell. Get it out of your life. Now don't forget. Don't forget here in our passage. That Jesus has a little child standing here. Through this whole conversation. (laughs) This you know. Think about the things as parents. That we try to protect our kids from hearing. This little child is listening. As Jesus talked about hanging a millstone. Around a person's neck. And drowning them in the sea. And cutting off hands and plucking out eyes and everlasting hellfire. I'm sure that kid was scared straight. Right? He probably had nightmares for a week after hearing Jesus here. Take heed 
that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Now, this is where we get the idea of people having guardian angels. You know, Psalm 91 verse 11 says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says of angels uh, that they are all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. Angels minister to uh, believers, those who will inherit salvation. And so it seems that angels watch over us and watch over our lives. And maybe when we get to heaven, we'll learn all the times that angels protected us and saved us that we didn't even know about. Look at verse 10 again. This word despised here. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. The word despise here, it means to think little of, to think little of, to think down upon, or to marginalize. And here's what Jesus is saying. This is what Jesus is telling us. Every time a Christian is looked down upon, or marginalized for their faith in Jesus Christ, a full report of it is presented to God in heaven. None of that goes unnoticed in heaven. God is fully aware of everything that is happening to Christians in the world, and he will deal with those people in due time. No one will get away with anything in this world. It's all being reported in heaven. Now he goes on in verse 11 to say, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. This is why Jesus came into the world. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, dying in our place as our substitute. He was buried. He rose again the third day to save that which was lost. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose again. To save those who are lost. Now that doesn't mean that some people are lost and need to be saved. And some people are not lost and they're fine. The Bible declares we're all lost apart from Christ. We all need Jesus to save us. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're here and you would say, well, I'm not lost. I don't believe I need to be saved by Jesus. You're lost and you don't even know you're lost. That's the worst kind of loss. When you're lost and you don't know you're lost, you just keep getting more lost, right? We're all lost without Christ. Isaiah 53 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned every one of us to his own way. It doesn't say some we like sheep have gone astray or some of us have turned to our own way. We all have. That's why we all need salvation through Jesus Christ. So he says in verse 12, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, Does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains, note that, to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now, Jesus here is actually making an argument from the lesser to the greater with this parable about the lost sheep. A shepherd will search for one sheep that goes astray from his flock. Notice in verse 12, 
he will go to the mountains if necessary to seek that one sheep that is straying. He will go through great difficulty to rescue one sheep. And he rejoices when he finds one lost sheep. Now, Jesus isn't looking for just one lost sheep. He's lost his whole flock. He's trying to recover his entire flock. And turn with me to Ezekiel 34. Here the Lord is talking about his sheep. Look at verse 6. Ezekiel 34, verse 6. He says, my sheep wandered through all the mountains. Remember, Jesus mentions the mountains in the parable that we just looked at. That the shepherd will go into the mountains to look for his one lost sheep. Here the Lord says, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth. And no one was seeking or searching for them. The whole flock was scattered. The whole flock went astray on the mountains. The whole flock was lost. So here's the argument from lesser to greater that Jesus is making with the parable of the lost sheep. If a shepherd celebrates when he rescues his one sheep that went astray, how much more does the good shepherd Jesus Christ rejoice when he recovers his whole flock that was scattered all over the earth? He came to seek and to save those who were lost. God doesn't want anyone to perish in their sins. That's not his desire. God doesn't want anyone to be cast into everlasting fire. His desire is that everyone would be converted. That everyone would come to the place that they realize they're on the wrong road and they turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and for salvation. This is why he came into the world. Because he's got lost sheep everywhere. Scattered all over the earth. And he's the good shepherd and he has come to seek and to save his lost sheep. And return them to the fold. When one sheep is found, the shepherd rejoices. He celebrates. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Jesus, that you desire for us to be part of your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you made a way for us to be part of your kingdom through your death and resurrection. Lord, we thank you that you you don't desire for anyone to perish. It's not your will uh, that we would perish in our sins, but that we would all enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, it's your desire that we would be great in the kingdom of heaven. And we thank you for that today, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you don't require great things from us, Lord. You just require us to to be humble, to have faith as a little child. And you make entrance so easy for us, Lord. We thank you for that. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring sure than the You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to share with you next time, but if you have any questions or would like to talk to us and have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. 
You can reach us at 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by visiting our website. Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab, then click on Contact. You're welcome to submit prayer requests on our website too. If you're interested in finding additional messages from this series, you can access those at calvaryec.com as well, under the Media tab. Have you connected with a local church? If not, we encourage you to find a church family. It will help guide and support you in your faith. If you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. Our website is a great place to find out what we believe. And you can also get to know Pastor Dan a little more. Feel free to explore and learn more at calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional insights from this New Testament book. Pastor Dan will help bring some things to light for you right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that cry.